What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast. Pretty freaking excited to be bringing this to you here today. A little bit different of a show. Coronavirus, everybody's on lockdown. California, I'm pretty sure you get shot if you leave your house. I'm here in Chicago. We're not there yet. Maybe it's headed there, but things have really got spooky. We're, we're not supposed to be talking to each other. We're not supposed to be um, out anywhere. If you're out right now, go home. Turn on the podcast. Drive safe, of course. Don't talk to anyone. Wash your hands. Get home and stay there. Because this is no joke. But it doesn't mean the podcast stops. It does mean we're going to tweak it a little bit. Obviously, you know who's batting leadoff here, okay? It's the GOAT. It's the six-time champ. It's Tom Brady. He's in a new uniform. We're going to hit that. That's going to be the first 10 minutes. The next and rest of the show is going to be about one of the... How I've been spending my time. How I've been spending my time since there's no um, content. There's no games to watch. There's nothing to talk about uh, besides the NFL. We're going to talk about Love is Blind, a Netflix dating show. I'm not into dating shows typically. I loved this one, The Power of Voice. This is a podcast after all. The Power of Voice was brought out in this show. I recommend that you watch Love is Blind. I'm going to dissect everything in there. Couple by couple, my thoughts on each individual, where I thought it went wrong, who I thought um, did a poor job in the relationship. We're going to get to it all. Different podcast today. It's episode 40. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I still can't wrap my head around it. It was a week ago that I called BS on the report from the guy... I don't even know his name. I think it's the Tampa Bay Times or whatever the newspaper is down there. They said they're going all in on Brady. I laughed it. I laughed at it through my phone as I tweeted out, this is not something he'll be interested in. And then Brady signed. Brady signed this morning. This is coming at you on a Friday. Two years, $50 million. He's going to be QB1 for the downtrodden, worst franchise statistically, win percentage, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The team that can't get jerseys right to save their lives. They're going to be running out a new one here next month. We all know the orange orange creamsicles. Disgusting. We know these past ones that Jameis Winston donned as their QB. Tom Brady is going to be playing for the worst franchise ever. He's going to be playing for the worst looking franchise ever. It is still hard to wrap my mind around couple things. Bill Belichick didn't want him back. Like I mentioned, it's Friday. I purposely wanted to roll this out later on in the week. I wanted more facts. I wanted more clarity. Obviously, now that the contract is in effect, we have some clarity on exactly what went down. And from everybody that I read, everybody that I trust, a whole bunch of Boston guys and gals who covered the team, and even the national folks... Belichick didn't even offer a contract. It said that he put out a number. Yeah, maybe he put out a number like $20 million a year to play QB. And it was pretty much assumed that he meant one year. He did not want Brady back. He only wanted Brady back if it was a pittance. And Brady said, bye bye There's been some stories that Brady was planning an out. He was planning an exit. I don't believe that. Matt Miller of Bleacher Report put that out yesterday. I don't believe he was that irked 
as far as, you know, Belichick trying to have Garoppolo supplant him a couple years ago, I really don't. I think he wants to stay in New England because he is the fiercest competitor we have ever known. And New England is probably the best situation, even though we spurned him. It still is the best situation with Josh McDaniels, with Belichick handling the roster, and of course him staying healthy as a QB. I still think that was the best situation. But when they said, we don't really have any desire for you to come back, he understands that it's not really a great situation. I don't think he was planning this from years ago. I don't. But when someone says, you're not welcome, you understand if you want to be happy playing the game, it's probably going to have to take place elsewhere. So the strange thing is that, you know, I said at the beginning, after the season ended, that they're going to have to have a frank conversation, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and really the Patriots overall, that didn't happen. They were not willing to go there. Belichick was treating him, Belichick was treating Tom Brady the same as he did every other player. Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Randy Moss, Willie McGinnis, all of them. Spurn, Mike Vrabel, now head coach. He traded him, cut him, ruthless. Tom Brady was treated exactly the same. And maybe it shouldn't shock us. Maybe it shouldn't shock us. But I am perplexed that, given his health, Bill Belichick wasn't interested in having Tom Brady back at two years and 50 mil. I mean, 25 million a season? That's a pittance against the cap, really. I guess it's not a true pittance, but Belichick was looking for even worse. I mean, he, he was ready to move on. This speaks volumes that Belichick thinks he's in decline. And the thing that I think had an effect on that is that Ian Rappaport, he later tweeted it out later on Tuesday afternoon, he said, Tampa Bay is the, quote, only known team to make an offer. Think about that for a sec. Six-time Super Bowl champion, three-time MVP, Tom Brady, there was one team to make an offer? And I understand there's other variables in play here. Los Angeles was interested, but maybe he said, look, I'm not going there. Patriots obviously didn't make one. Raiders signed Mariota. Did Brady say something during this tampering period? Did they, you know, under the table say, look, this is what I'm looking for, so they didn't bother? It's still shocking that one team made an offer? Maybe Belichick is right? I don't think so. Look, I'm not cutting up tape, all right? I'm not looking at the game footage. But Bill Belichick says bye bye, and then the any all the other NFL teams say, "Whoa, guess we shouldn't be handing out this contract." And it would kind of make sense, right? Tampa Bay Buccaneers, worst franchise ever. They're the only ones that offer a contract. Look, that's not the conclusion I'm jumping to, but this is what I'm connecting from what has transpired here. I don't think Tom Brady was looking for an out. I think he wanted to return to the Pats, but then he realized they don't want me, so it's time to go forward. As far as the fit with Tampa Bay, you know, it's so-so. We all know Bruce Arians, don't ri- or you don't risk it, no biscuit, air it out. Tom Brady, he's a so-so deep ball thrower. He still has plenty of arm. And I understand they got some good pass catchers, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, uh, Mike Evans, obviously. But this is not the type of offense. You know, when we're talking about a fit, this is not a 100% apples to apples. 
you know, they, they got good weapons. I am worried about the offensive line, even when he is throwing deep. I think he's a capable deep ball passer, but is he going to be able to be protected? Patriots, their offensive line protections way different than anybody else. I mean, I'm really worried they don't have that true slot wide receiver. He's a precision thrower. Everything's out in two, two and a half seconds. I don't know. Are they going to have that timing base down even by, you know, September 1, even by the end of the year? Is Tom Brady going to be healthy by the end of it after taking a beating from this offensive line? I don't think it's the best fit. I, I don't think it's a bad fit. But this really goes to show I think it really was more beyond the X's and O's, who's the coach. I don't even know necessarily is it the control over the offense. We all know Byron Leftwich is he's not telling anything to Tom Brady. Bruce Arians, he's not going to coach. He doesn't coach anybody hard. He's not going to coach Tom Brady hard. I think this really was about the family aspect, being on the East Coast, and also maybe Tampa Bay was a factor. As we all know, Tampa Bay is nothing but strip malls. It's like the 1970s strip malls where you would find those you know, uh, really shaky massage parlors that Robert Kraft visited. It's nothing but those malls lined up down these big, long interstate streets, and it's a whole bunch of snowbirds. People that come down from New York, the East Coast, they come down and they retire in Tampa Bay. I can just see now, I can see now pliability centers, TB12 centers, and all of these strip malls. Maybe it is about more than football. Maybe it is about second career. I think the fit is okay. It's so-so. It's not the best. My favorite storyline. My favorite storyline isn't necessarily, are, are they going to win? I know the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay this next winter. That's not exactly my favorite storyline. Mine is this. Is introvert Tom Brady, a guy that's very mum at the podium, obviously because he was a New England Patriot, is that going to change? The moment he steps foot on the Tampa Bay practice facility for that first news conference, and he's asked about not being with Bill Belichick, not being a Patriot, asked about this former player, how things compare. Is he going to open up a little bit? Is he going to be a little verbose, bombastic? Or are we going to see a new Tom Brady? For 20 years, 20 years, he's been programmed to act a certain way. Is that actually him? Maybe it is. Maybe that's why it works so long. Or was he just following code? That's what I'm really interested in seeing. Danny Amendola, after he took the job with the Dolphins, you know, he opened up about Belichick. He called him a dick, basically. I think he actually used those words. Is Tom Brady going to do the same thing? Tom Brady's in charge here. He could have Bruce Arians fired tonight if he wanted to. The Glazers, they let Tom Brady run the organization now. He can have Byron Leftwich fired tomorrow. Tom Brady will organize the, uh, the, the practice if he wants. So this is going to be interesting how he kind of speaks now, not only to the fans, to the public, to his teammates. It's a different dynamic. He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's no longer a New England Patriot. It's the NFL in 2020. Okay, a little bit different turn we're going to take on the podcast here. Uh, as we all know, inventory is kind of low. No games going on. It's kind of depressing. Right now, I'm watching a replay of the 1995 ALDS of Major League Baseball, New York Yankees, Seattle Mariners. We got Paul O'Neill up to the bat. And... 
you know, there's there's just not much to talk about. I could dive into free agency and draft picks being swapped for this player and this guaranteed dollar for that running back. Look, the X's and the O's, the Jimmy's and the Joe's, that can wait, especially with games being suspended in all sports and really just not knowing the outlook here as we deal with coronavirus. But one thing I think we can all agree on, and full disclosure, if you haven't watched and you haven't completed the full series, turn off the podcast now. I'm doing you a favor. But it was last Saturday that a friend tipped me off to watch Love is Blind, the Netflix series, dating show, unlike any other. I usually, you know, I deflect all of these. I despise them all. But then I watch the trailer. It's about two minutes long. And watch it and tell me you're not peaked if you haven't heard of Love is Blind yet. I loved it. I loved that two-minute trailer. I immediately watched three episodes, went to bed, got up, and watched three more. This is fantastic, and we're going to dissect it all, couple by couple, uh, excluding Damien and, uh, uh, what's her name, Diamond, uh, because we all knew how that was going to end. But, yes, we're going to go one by one. I'm going to give my thoughts. I'm going to want to hear your thoughts. Direct message me on what you think about each couple or anything I have to say, it's at Pete4C. We're on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can slide up in there. It's Love is Blind, the Netflix series dating show. Okay, correction, everyone. What I meant to say is we're not doing Carlton and Diamond, okay? I know I said Damien. Damien, we're absolutely getting to. We'll get to him here in a second. But we're kicking things off with a good note. Lauren and Cameron, okay? The couple that at the beginning in the pods, you know, they were very, uh, they were very interactive, very interactive. It was very cute. Even through the walls, you could tell, oh, these two are getting along. They're really going to be hitting it off when they see each other. And then you got outside the pods and kind of things remain the same as if you're in the pod. They're not, I'm not going to say physically getting at each other. I mean, they were, obviously they were having sex in the room afterwards, but my issue was you weren't really, you weren't trying to capitalize on the fact that you could actually see this person and actually read their emotion that way. Neither was trying to dissect one another enough. This is what bugged me about them. Cameron, he doesn't open up too much. Okay, Cameron was clearly, you know, not willing to show too much of himself. Okay, he showed the uh, the former rapping thing to mom. Okay, that really won her over. That was good. But what are more of your interests? I get you're a scientist. You know, I'm not going to call you a nerd, but you're, you're into numbers probably, how things create one another. Like, come on here. Give me something. Clearly, Lauren, she's like into content and everything. You guys could have a bond over creating things. Why wasn't that talked about? That was disappointing to me. I wasn't exactly sure this was going to last. I thought it was it was working, but was it going to continue to work? That's where I was unsure. You know, the interracial part, you know, that's not really for me. I don't know. I don't know the components of that or the dynamics of that. Clearly, Dad was, you know, curious of how Cameron was going to react. He asked him. Cameron said, hey, I've done this before. Dad said, you know, I don't love this, but I'm willing to give it a go. And as we got closer to the big day, I was thinking, you know, this is really on Lauren. And ultimately it was because Cameron was all in. Again, I don't think he really gave her enough. I think Lauren was kind of, you know, she was peaked. She was like, okay, I think this is a good guy. I'm not really wanting to give up my independence. Clearly that was big for her. She's a very driven woman. 
She can make it on her own. Is this guy going to hold me down? Or is he going to be growing dependent on me? And then the, then the question came. She said yes, and I was happy for him. I'm glad to see that it worked out. But is Lauren going to feel like uh, you know Cameron's growing a little too dependent on her? All right, That's what's going to be interesting to see. Happy for Lauren and Cameron. Let's see where this one goes. The great thing about this show is that they put them in the pods. Each has their own room with a couch, drinks, snacks, blankets, whatever. And you have to use the power of voice. You have to listen. You have to communicate. You have to think about your words and try to paint the picture for the other individual. But some things are pretty plain Jane here, okay? And Gigi said from the beginning, I demand communication. I, she said this to Damien. I demand communication. And then Damien... He says, yeah, I'm all about it. He breaks down in the pod eventually. He's crying during the proposal. Gigi flips it back on him and says, I believe in equality. I'm going to propose to you. He thought that was the coolest thing ever. And you thought, bam, these two are on the same page. And then you get outside the pods. And Damien decides he doesn't want to be transparent with his words. He doesn't want to say how he really feels. Did you see how much it took for Gigi to get out of Damien that he really uh, prioritizes his family being all in on this? He didn't try and fight the fact that they didn't want to meet Gigi. Of course, you remember the scene where they were in the parking garage. He's on the phone. He's mulling over, what should I do? Gigi's disappointed, like, hey, fight for this. But then you learn finally, after she pried it out of him, that he doesn't want to force this. He wants his parents to be on board with this because they actually are, not because he's asking them to. But he needs to be more transparent about that from the get-go. Damien, say it. She told you in the pod, I demand communication. Even if it's difficult, just tell me. I mean, Gigi, she's no, she's not exactly fluent all the time in what she's saying. She can be aimless with the point she's trying to make. She'll start here, go straight, veer off to the right, go off into the woods, come back on the main road, but then she'll ultimately tell you, this is what I'm trying to say, or this is what I'm trying to drive home. Damien, you need, you need to match her. You need to match her. And you had all this fighting going on, whether it was at the uh, the birthday party for Barnett. Um, she does overanalyze a little bit. I will say that. Um, I thought maybe she was getting a little too calculated with him and his thoughts, but he did leave her, you know, kind of in the dark. She was left to, to pretty much just read his mind a little bit too much, but I thought maybe she got uh, a little into the woods on that one. But ultimately, this one got to the altar. This one got to the altar. Damien couldn't find it in him to do it. It was amazing. I thought for sure it was going to be the other way around. I thought the whole pressure was on Gigi. Are, are you a yes? Are you a no? And then she finally says, yes, like, I, I'm willing to try this. And Damien, you know, he, he started crying again. He cried at the proposal. He cried on the altar. And I'm not bashing him for it. But he says this was kind of his real moment. He, he wasn't all in because she wasn't. And my whole thing is, you know, she, she had a point when afterwards they went face to face and she said, you couldn't have told me? She kind of has a point, right? Damien, you knew all along 
that she wasn't quote unquote all in. Why didn't you let her know? Why? Clearly it was you that was having the trouble here. Now they're dating. It's kind of like, all right, they're giving it a second go. I was on Instagram later. I was curious. And Gigi and Damien are now dating, giving it another go. I didn't watch the final uh, episode. That was really boring. I was 10 minutes in and I was like, I don't want to just, I don't want to hear each individual for 45 minutes. But yeah, Gigi, Damien, this was one of the more intriguing ones. Damien, I fault you. You knew all along. You shouldn't have gotten up on that altar. You did Gigi dirty. Moving on to Amber and Barnett. This is the one that if you would have asked me after the pods, I would have said no shot. No shot in hell this one actually goes through. They're in the honeymoon phase, starting in the pod. It starts after the pod. And then it continues, continues, and it does not change. It got real for a little bit. And I was just waiting for a fight. I mean, after the first, I think it's like three episodes, aren't you just waiting for the other to like tell him something where it's like, ooh, geez, that I didn't know about. You like, and then it finally came, right? The student debt, the, um, what was the other thing about Amber? She, she's in debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, and Barnett's just kind of like, oh, so I'm taking that on. Got it, because you want to be a stay-at-home mom and don't want to work. So that's on me. I'm taking that on. And you could tell he was calculating it. He didn't really um, give any indicator on how he felt about it. But then you go and meet mom and dad. They're kind of like, you remember those scenes where their faces, they're like looking to the ground when she's laughing and talking about things that you would not bring up on a first meet and greet with mom and dad. And it's like, holy hell. And then Danny, his brother, gets into the picture, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Barnett and Amber, they're going to split. It's a done deal. I didn't think they'd make it work. I mean, this is definitely going to be one to monitor. And for those who may have forgot, they both kind of on the altar. Amber, she waited, hesitated for a bit because she didn't know how Barnett would feel about her saying yes. She said, yes, I love you. And then Barnett waits a little bit. I think it was like, a five count waited like six seconds and then he's like okay yeah i'm it and this is all love and rainbows butterflies and everything this is going to be the one to wait and monitor through the end this is going to be the one to monitor a couple years down the road i didn't think this one would go through i think that they are in the honeymoon phase when real things start to happen when that student debt payment is due when that credit card payment starts to rack up even more how is barnett going to feel how is he going to feel about the stay-at-home mom situation how is he going to feel and i'm not knocking stay-at-home moms but is barnett just going to re-question did i make the right decision did i get to know this girl did i not get to know her enough because she is a little bit crazy she was the one getting drunk all the time she was the one being very uh you know I mean, she was out there. She was out there. I, I'm curious to watch this one. I didn't think it was going to last, but nonetheless, congratulations, Amber and Barnett. Okay, since we're in the middle of the podcast, let's move on to the most boring couple on the show, Kelly and Kenny. Some things you just know aren't going to work out, and this was one of them. You remember when Carmen Electra and Dennis Rodman got married? Did that ever feel real? No. No, that was never real. Now, is this that same kind of relationship, Kelly and Kenny? No. But you could just tell from the beginning, 
Everything was a little too real. They had a great connection in the pod. They were all all over each other once they were outside the pod. Kenny was being very transparent. Kelly was masking transparency, but you could always tell she's holding something back. The whole time, I was like, something has to go wrong here. Something has to go wrong. You remember when she went off to San Diego and didn't go back with him to the uh, hotel in Atlanta? That was the first sign I knew, done deal, Kelly is out. You don't go back to San Diego after you're in the pod and on the island in Mexico. You go back for whatever. I mean, someone must have died, right? Someone must have died. You just said yes to this guy, and now you're going back to California, and he's sitting in the apartment alone? After you guys just talked about how great Mexico was and how you can't wait to get back to Atlanta... And you can't wait to actually tie the knot. And then your parents, do you remember those parents? They got to know each other. The uh, the mom who was clearly from the East Coast, a strong accent. And then Kenny's mom and dad who met at a pool. And then after three months, they got married. They loved each other. The families loved each other. I thought the mom, I think it was Kenny's mom, she put it best. Families liking each other when there's a guy and a gal who want to get married, the family's liking each other. It doesn't make the marriage, but it definitely enriches it. That was well said. I like that a lot. Did you like that? Let me know. Direct message. Direct message at Pete4C. So we're moving along with them, and I'm starting to question myself. I'm like, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe this is going to happen. And Kenny, I mean, Kenny is like the best date to bring home to mom, right? He's just the nicest guy. Good looking, handsome, charming, polite. We'll do a favor at the drop of a hat. And then Kelly starts to question it. He starts to question it with her sister. It's before she gets to the altar. She gets on the altar. And did you see the way she delivered it? Go back and review the tape. I went back and reviewed the tape. She was certain. She looked him dead in the eyes, said, I cannot marry you. I hope you can respect that. It wasn't rehearsed. It was very natural, but you could tell the conviction in her voice and in her eyes. She knew long ago, like weeks ago, this isn't happening. I felt terrible for Kenny. Terrible for Kenny. He's the perfect guy to bring home to mom. And then he gets done dirty like that. Oh my gosh. This was worse than Gigi. I am so sorry, Kenny. Kelly, you are just, you are ruthless. You are gutless. I can't believe you strung this along like this. Kenny, I am so sorry. I hope you find happiness. Kelly, my gosh, you need some help. All right, let's get to everybody's favorite couple, Jessica and Mark. This is pretty resounding, right? Jessica and Mark, I kind of went out of order here. Uh, I wanted to save them for last because I think we all know that this was driving the show. You could tell from the pods, wherever Jessica goes, that's where the cameras are going. That's where the story is going because Jessica is totally for the cameras. She totally is. I think she was searching. I think she was searching for love. Um, I think she made the right decision. Ultimately, we all know about Barnett, Mark. She was kind of wishy-washy. I think she did owe it to herself, though. Okay, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. You're there to find who the uh, who's compatible. 
Okay, and she said, you know, I owe it to myself. I was on board with that. But after that, pretty much, I split the other direction. Jessica, I get Mark is very, uh, he's very emotionally, you know, he he's out there. He throws it all out on the field. And it sounds like you've been used to dating jerks, you know, dating assholes, really focusing on the visual and physical looks. And this is just different for you. So I get, you know, you're a little bit scared. You're a little bit nervous. You're not sure, is this what I want? What does Jessica want? But he was being very transparent, and you were being wishy-washy. And you had all these uh, qualifiers. I mean, the prenup? Are you kidding me? You put a prenup in there? I mean, you're announcing where you stand. You're, you are you are announcing where you stand when you put something like that. I think, um, I think Mark did a lot of sweet things. I think he needed to back off a little bit as far as just being totally there from the get-go. I mean, let's put it this way. They ran and hugged each other when the doors opened after the pods, and if it were up to him, he would have never stopped hugging her. I mean, I get that. It was a little unbearable. But Jessica, just between the uh, between the drunken nights and going over and talking to Barnett, giving off the indicators that you don't know, Mark is over there just trying for any sort of like, he, he's wanting any sort of serious sign, and you're just not giving it to him. I mean... When they got up on that altar, I really thought Jessica was going to do the right thing and take the, take the leap of faith. She, sh- she should have stuck with Mark because he stuck with her on everything, through it all, through the show. And she can't. She, she, she doesn't want to because she's too nervous. She's too nervous to go with something that she's never gone with before. Clearly, she still has in the back of her mind her old criteria her old checklist of what she goes off of. This is a fit, okay? This proves that love can be driven through the communication, through the pods. You liked Mark before you ever saw him. This 24-year-old thing really is bugging you for whatever reason. The age. I understand it's a little bit weird for a 24-year-old to be, you know, like that, maybe have that level of maturity, knowing he wants this much in his life. But you know what? You found your match. You found your fit, and now you're walking away from it. Jessica, uh, you know, I don't feel bad for Mark that much. He should have seen this coming. Jessica, I just hope someday you take a risk because you certainly didn't take a risk here. That's going to do it for the hybrid podcast. Tom Brady, Love is Blind. I want to know what you guys think. Hit up the text line slash hotline. Leave a text message. Leave a voicemail. I'll play it right here on the show. It's 816 816- 226-7483 or hit those direct messages. Let me know what you think about Love is Blind or Tom Brady at Pete4C, number four letter C. I appreciate everyone tuning in. We're going to get back at it next week. Coronavirus, stay safe, stay, uh, stay at home. Don't go anywhere. Social distancing. There's plenty to do. We got laptops. We have iPhones. We have iPads. Um, we have board games. I'm thinking about doing a puzzle here soon, but we need to stay away from each other. This is serious practice social distancing. We're going to get some more inventory here soon for the podcast. Let me know. Recommendations. What show should I watch? What should I talk about next? Again, you got my direct messages at Pete4C. We'll talk to you next week.